0: You're listening to audio from Redwood Baptist Church. If you need any more information about us, go to www.redwoodbaptist.org. We hope and pray the message that you're about to listen to will strengthen you, encourage you, and make you more like Jesus. Blessings. I'm not sure I'm allowed allow that song right before I preach ever again. And that is wow. Back there tearing up and a wonderful song that my king Jesus, that He would die for us. Matthew chapter number 21, Matthew 21. And we've got a special, uh, special Sunday uh, as for, for really the Christian world. And uh, that would be the triumphal entry of our Savior uh, to Jerusalem. And uh, we often, we call that Palm Sunday. And uh, I desire that uh, the Lord would use uh, this morning's message. Uh, if you've grown up in church, most likely you have, uh, you've heard many, many sermons, lessons, whatever, whatever you want to call them, uh, from from different texts that uh, look into this topic. And but my desire is for us to just take a little bit of a different angle, and uh, to uh, to see something, uh, just maybe that can challenge us. It's gonna. If you're gonna allow me, you're gonna have to give me. Uh, some time to just kind of lay some lay some groundwork for you, and uh, really, uh, I desire to uh, challenge us uh, really kind of in in the conclusion of of the message. So, promise me that you'll stick with me. There's no there's no food truck today, so you're gonna have to just stick with me, right? Uh, and Mike's last week he said, "Oh, you came for the food." No, uh, I appreciate you uh, being here, and we're uh, we're honored uh, with um, with your attendance, and uh, as we gather together today to uh, worship a risen Savior, and all that this week means for us. But this morning, I've I've entitled the message, What Kind of King Did You Expect? What kind of king did you expect? Let's pick it up in verse number one of our text. These won't be up on the screen yet, but just, just follow along. And when they drew nigh into Jerusalem, and were come to Bethpage under the Mount of Olives, then sent Jesus two disciples, saying unto them, Go into the village over against you, and straightway ye shall find an ass tied and a colt with her, simply a donkey. Loose them and bring them unto me. And if any man say aught unto you, ye shall say, the Lord hath need of them, and straightway he will, he will send them. And so they go and they, uh, and, they, and, and, and they get the donkeys and he's coming. I want you to see in verse number 8. And a very great multitude spread their garments in the way Others cut down branches from the trees and strode them in the way. And the multitudes that went before and that followed cried, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he was coming to Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? And the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. And so I want to I want to ask you again, but before we pray, what kind of king did you expect? Let's ask the Lord to bless our time here. Lord, we thank you for uh, just the privilege to lift our voices unto you. And uh, God, you are worthy of all of our praise and the honor as that last song uh, spoke of, and uh, that we are uh, alive and well because of your death and the indwelling Holy Spirit in our lives. And God, I pray that, Lord, we would celebrate that this week, that we would. Uh, be in uh, just remembrance of what that cost. Uh, salvation is simple in its nature of having childlike faith, and yet it cost you so much. And God, I pray that Lord, you would uh, use these next moments uh, together uh, to uh, challenge us greatly heading into this week. And Lord, we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to start off this time together. Uh, with asking you to ponder a few questions simply of course the uh, the question of the sermon title but more specifically if jesus entered into jerusalem was triumphal on palm sunday what went wrong less than a week later if it was so amazing if it was so triumphal as we have often coined it what what went wrong less than a week later another question i want you to i want you to ponder throughout this message would be why did the crowds who adored jesus on sunday turn on him by friday of that week or whatever day why why did they turn on him and then the the final question that i want you to ponder is and what choice does palm sunday present to us some 2000 years later what's the What's the choice that you and I, pres- that is presented to us here this morning? And so tis- this morning, what I want to do is I want to I try to answer those questions, and I want to explore some of the reasons why the, the Roman Empire, uh, the Jewish religious leaders, and the common people all turn on Jesus after that, that glorious Sunday. And so what I want to do is I want to spend a few minutes again reading the text again. This time it will be up on the screen, and you can follow along. Verse verse 1 of Matthew 21, And when they drew nigh unto Jerusalem, and were come to Bethpage unto the Mount of Olives, they sent Jesus' two disciples, saying unto them, Go into the village over against you, and straightway ye shall find an ass or a donkey, tied, and a colt with her. Loose them, and bring them unto me. And if any man say unto you, ye shall say, The Lord hath need of them. And straightway he will send them. And all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell ye the daughter of Zion, Behold, thy king cometh unto thee, meek and sinning upon an ass, and a colt the fowl of an ass. And the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them, and brought the ass and the colt, and put on their clothes, and they set him thereon. And a great and a very great multitude spread their garments in the way. Others cut down branches from the trees and strawed them in the way. And the multitude that went before and that followed cried, saying, Hosanna to the son of David, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he was coming to Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? It's it's interesting. All the city, there, there, there's a buzz in the city. They're all asking, "Who is this?" And the multitude said, "This is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee." And so, our first, our first point here this morning, I want you to just to kind of uh, allow me to allow me to teach through this would be the problem of Palm Sunday. The problem. See, today is known as Palm Sunday, the day of which that Jesus rode into Jerusalem on the back of a young donkey. And this day has been described by Christendom for generations as the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Even the the heading in my particular Bible that I use literally, uh, literally says that, the triumphal entry. But you and I must ask ourselves the question, if this was such a triumphal entry, then why did they crucify Jesus by the end of the week? So we do have a, if you'll allow me to put it this way, we have a problem that we need to address. We have a, we have a problem that we need, to, we need to wrap our minds around. What was, what was going on in this text or in the, in, in the background and in just kind of the historical setting? If this was such a glorious Sunday, and we sang some great songs, great selections, Mike, and you know it's glorious for all Christians, what goes wrong by Friday that Jesus is going to find Himself betrayed by one of His disciples. He's going to be arrested by the great high priest guard. He's going to be accused by a coalition of uh, religious leaders. He's going to be tried by a Roman governor. And ultimately, He is going to be sentenced to the death uh, by the cross, the, the, the death of a criminal. And so, what is the, what is the problem of that? Well, that brings us to point number two. If, 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 Mike, are you getting the wheelchair in the back there? Thank you. Uh, n- n- number two is a day of two processions. Okay? The day of two processions. Now, you and I, we might, we, we might not know this, but Jesus' procession into Jerusalem was not the only procession that was going on in the city. See, this was the beginning of the week of, uh, of Passover, uh, the most sacred week of all of the Jewish year. Uh, in the centuries since this, Christians have celebrated this day as Palm Sunday or the first day of what we would call maybe the Holy Week. Uh, Marcus Borg and John Dominic Crossan in their book, the, the Last Week, said this. In the year 30 A.D., Roman historians record that the governor of Judea, Pontius Pilate, led a procession of Roman cavalry or cavalry, excuse me, and centurions into the city of Jerusalem at Passover. And so Pontius Pilate leads this. I want you to try to picture it here uh, with me this morning. This it, it, it's spectacular uh, in, in its entry. From the western side of the city of Jerusalem, the opposite side of which Jesus would have entered uh, on the eastern, kind of down through uh, the Mount of Olives, from the western side uh, there would have been uh, Pontius Pilate uh, leading uh, these Roman soldiers on horseback as well as on foot. Each soldier would have been, uh, would have been arrayed with, this, uh, with leather uh, armor, Uh, that would have been just completely super uh, shiny, would have had a high gloss on it. Uh, They would have all had uh, helmets. Uh, All these centurions would have had helmets that the bright sunlight would have been uh, shining off of. Each of them would have had a sword in one hand and potentially a a, a spear or a a shield in the other. And if they weren't a swordsman, if they would have been uh, a bow, a, a man or woman, a bow, then they would have had a bow and uh, you know, a bow and arrow and all different kinds of things. So this massive army is coming in uh, with Pilate. And they would have uh, been literally marching to a cadence uh, as, as these army was coming in. There would have been um, some performers with that. And so we see here that Pilate, as the governor of the region, would have included not only Judea but also Samaria as well as some other cities. They knew that it was the standard practice for a Roman governor of a foreign country to be in its capital, which would have been Jerusalem, at a religious celebration. And so this was the beginning of Passover. And so to the Romans, this was a strange Jewish festival, but they allowed them nonetheless to uh, partake of this week. Now the Romans, hear me, the Romans would have been aware that this festival would have been celebrating the liberation of the Jews from another empire it would have been the empire of egypt that uh, you know the, the passover lamb when you, when you read back in exodus and the parting of the red sea and all of the all of the different miracles or the plagues that were brought upon uh, the, uh, the 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 people of egypt and so what they're celebrating every year at passover is the exodus so to speak of from underneath the power of the empire of egypt and so Rome, being a great empire of that day, Pilate had to be in Jerusalem. And since the Romans had occupied the land by defeating the Jews and disposing of their king about 800, excuse me, 80 years prior, uprisings were always in the air. There was constantly attempts to uh, to uh, reclaim uh, the power. And once they came in and they, uh, they pacified the city, they literally, the Romans, crucified up to 2,000 Jews that they believed had been part of this, uh, this rebellion. And so the Romans, hear me, the Romans had made, that they, they, they wanted to make that, that rebellion was not tolerable. They wanted to make it known. And so on this occasion, Pilate had traveled with a group of Rome's finest, to the crowded capital city of Jerusalem. And so everything that would take place that week of the Passover week, everything of all of the festivities, all of the activities would have taken place in and around the temple. You could go to today, it looks a little bit different, but the temple mount uh, there in Jerusalem, you can see how uh, it's been destroyed for centuries and then it gets rebuilt. But everything would have been around that Temple Mount, and so the Romans they had a they had a garrison built just adjacent uh, to this to this temple, and the reason why is they wanted to have a good advantage point to see what was going on with the Jews. They wanted to they wanted to keep control, and this Roman garrison was known as Antonia's fortress. Antonia's excuse me, fortress. Nick, if you could uh, bring up one of these pictures here. This is uh, a uh, if you were to go to Jerusalem now, you can kind of see a uh, just a picture of what it would have looked like uh, back in Bible time. And if you go to the next picture, you can kind of see how it would have been adjacent right there, connected to uh, the Temple Mount. And they would have uh, been kind of, uh, they, 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 wanted, they wanted to be able to see everything that was going on. Uh, and hopefully, I, I'm trying to make sense here, and I'm also praying for Carla all at the same time, it's, you know, so uh, bear with me. But what you've got is, uh, you've got this Roman power, in in the capital city there of Jerusalem, and they were just, they were keeping peace. They they were making sure there was going to be no rebellion. There was going to be no uprising. And so Pilate's entry into Jerusalem was meant to send a message to the Jews and to those who might be plotting against the empire of Rome. And the spectacle was meant to remind the Jews of what had happened the last time a wide-scale uprising had taken place. And it was also meant to send a signal to all of the other, uh, you know, surrounding neighborhoods and so to speak, that they ought to think twice before joining such a rebellion. Some 80 years prior, 2,000 of them had been crucified by the Romans. But I said at the beginning of this point that this was the day of two processions. So let's get back to Jesus's and his entry into Jerusalem if Pilate's procession into the city was meant to, to be a show of military might and strength, Jesus' procession was meant to show the exact opposite. Both Matthew as well as Mark, they, they record Jesus' own words and He instructs His disciples to go into the city and to find a donkey that was tied up. Uh, they are the, they're there to ask the owner if they can use the donkey, and if there's any kind of questioning about it, they say, The Lord has need of this. It is also, uh, Jesus is quoting back from uh, the book of Zechariah, chapter 9, verse 9 Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation lowly and riding upon an ass and upon a colt the fowl of an ass. And I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the horse from Jerusalem and the battle bow shall be cut off. This was prophesied many, many years before. And he shall speak peace unto the heathen. And his dominion shall be from sea even to sea and from the river even to the ends of the earth. Now listen, this passage that I just read is more than a passage that just describes Jesus' means of transportation. Obviously, there was the prophecy that he was going to ride into town on a lowly donkey, but also you see that being fulfilled in the text in Matthew 21, and you also can read it in, uh, in the book of Mark. But, it, but it's more than that. See, the prophet Zechariah is speaking to the nation. And so the prophet... Re, re, reassures the people of Judea, Judah, which is called Judea in the New Testament, that God has not that He's not forgotten about them. They're under this reign. They're under this. They're under this thumb of of Rome. Pilate is you know kind of locally um, leading that the, the, that region. But he wanted them to know that that he hadn't forgotten them. So in other words, when Jesus in Matthew 21, when he's talking to his disciples and he quotes back. To a to a prophet, he's reminding those that heard him of this message. But I want you to tell you what I believe they heard in this message. The message they heard was God will deliver the nation from the oppressors. And in this case, that would have been Rome. So they would have been under the oppression of Rome. They would have been under the thumb of uh, of Rome. And so they hear Jesus quoting this Old Testament uh, prophecy of how Jesus was going to come into the city and how he was going to deliver them from the oppressor. They think like you and I would have thought. They're thinking of their current oppression. They're not seeing the deeper issues. We've been going through, through Mark. We're going to get back into that after Easter. Okay, but but the, oftentimes they're, uh, the, the people don't think of what Jesus is, what, what He's really doing. and he's the much grander, the much the much bigger picture. And so the king that they seek is going to not be the one that's going to take out Rome, but instead he's going to come to them humbly, not on a stallion of war but on a slow-moving donkey. He comes as a symbol of a king of peace. So the two processions that came into Jerusalem on this time of the week at the beginning of Passover could not be more different in the messages that they convey. Pilate, leading these centurions, they assert the power and the might of Rome, which crushes all that oppose it. Jesus, riding in on a young donkey, embodies the peace and then tranquility that the God of Shalom promises to His people. Two entirely different processions. Those who watch that day, they're going to have to make a choice. They're either going to side with the God of this world of might and power, or they're going to choose to serve the king of a very different kind of kingdom kingdom of god and so there's this dilemma you and i we 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 celebrate this this sunday of jesus coming into the into the city and yet we read some four or five days later he's he's being crucified well when you and i begin to understand historically that there were also would have been another procession coming in it gives us some clarity of what was going on i want you to notice thirdly just stick with me okay please i want you to see the problem of leadership there was also a problem of, of leadership. In their book entitled Leadership on the Line, uh, the authors Marty Linsky and Ron Heipst, they said this, leadership is about disappointing your own people at a rate they can absorb. And that kind of just, that kind of ate at me this week. Uh, I, I had read that several weeks ago and I knew that I was going to use it. I'm thinking, man, I know I disappointed you all somehow this week. Hopefully it's something that you can absorb, right? And, but that's good. Le- leadership, because we're not perfect, right? Please don't expect me to be perfect. Far from it. And so, But leadership is about disappointing your own people at a rate they can absorb. So I say this in the most respectful way here. Jesus has another problem with that. Of course, his followers and others who get caught up in his entry into Jerusalem think that they're choosing to follow Jesus. But by the end of the week, Jesus will have disappointed the crowd at a faster rate than they can stand. And they're going to end up turning on him. Even the closest to Jesus Christ, 12 disciples, one of them is going to betray him for 30 pieces of silver, and the other 11 are going to literally leave him, deny him, and some, Peter, even willing to curse him. And so we see in verse 9 of our text, and the multitude that went before and that followed cried, saying, Hosanna, the Son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Notice that it says, Hosanna to the Son of David. Hosanna to the Son of David. This is what the crowd is saying. Jesus is coming in on this lowly donkey with a following that would have come down uh, over the Mount of Olives. Most likely from maybe Mary and Martha's home. Bethany coming down and and there's a crowd that's coming and the people, they're laying down palm trees and he's coming in and they're saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, the son of David. In other words, they were placing their faith in Jesus that he would restore the glory of the nation to its splendor when when David and his son Solomon ruled ruled the United Kingdom. It wasn't divided, it was united at that time. And so this is what the Jews wanted to be ruled by a man like David, a man that was so committed to God that in the Old Testament prophets had proclaimed that the coming Messiah was going to come and he was going to sit on his throne. They've talked about that. And so the Messiah would bring back the, the, the glory of Israel and would rid the nation of oppressors, would rule benevolently, and would be kind to common people. All the things that have been prophesied about Jesus. And by the way, those things will all come to pass. You and I, we've got the whole picture. You and I, we've got the the, the completed scriptures and we can study it. But picture yourself in the crowd. Picture yourself there in Jerusalem. You you hear Jesus proclaim what what Zechariah prophesied and you're thinking, yes, this is the time. And then Monday comes and Tuesday and so on throughout the week. Jesus, he'd already challenged the rulers of Judea already, not not the Roman rulers, but the local rulers. He had said to them that the that the temple was not a not the only way to find God's forgiveness. And further, he had said, "Hey, this temple is going to be completely destroyed." Now, of course, those who found their living from the temple, they didn't like that. You know, you think of you, you think of the scribes and the chief priests and excuse me, the ruler of the council of the Sanhedrin, the religious. Uh, parties of the the Pharisees and the Sadducees they all hear this and and during Jesus's teaching as he was walking about and teaching in, in his ministry they all would have heard that they are going to lose their power if there was no temple they believed that the temple was the only place where they where people can receive forgiveness and jesus is saying this temple it's going to be destroyed and remember when we were back in in the book of mark when those four friends broke through the roof and laid that paralytic man down before jesus and you remember what jesus did jesus said your sins are forgiven what we're not in the temple we're in a house your sins be forgiven thee. And there was wrestling in their minds, and they were talking amongst themselves. And Jesus says, Remember, oh, oh, so you think it's easier just to heal somebody than to forgive their sins? Okay, all right, take up your bed and walk, right? Remember that? We, we, we looked at that passage a few weeks ago. And so he had been teaching this. The Pharisees, remember, they were in the room. They were seeing that. And now they're seeing their entire, their entire livelihood being taken from them. So when Jesus drove out the money changers from the temple, proclaiming that the temple was to be a house of prayer for all the nations, but the religious leaders they had made it a den of thieves. Jesus was exposing the corruption of the temple tax. He was exposing the scandalous, the scandalous monetary exchange rate. That's why we read in the book of Proverbs, a false balance is an abomination of the Lord. What that directly means is that they would wait, they would tip the scales for gain for greed and Jesus had been teaching this so he'd already he already he already started to kind of put put cracks into the fortress of that thumb and so now Jesus is coming in Jesus is saying Man, just like Zechariah said he's going to restore and so Jesus had disappointed many people He had alienated powerful people. He did so because the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the chief priests and the scribes, the the, the Levitical priests and others, they all ruled on Rome's behalf. They were all part of the same system of oppression, the same system of domination that Pilate was a part of. And so that brings us to our fourth point here this morning. Just keep keep coming with me. I'm trying to build a case for literally just the conclusion. A contrast of kingdoms. Jesus' entry into Jerusalem may or may not, I don't know exactly, I know that God is sovereign and He plans everything out, but but that uh, that plan to occur on the same day as Pilate's procession through the western gate of the city. Whether it was planned or not, the two processions provided a contrast that was unmistakable. For you see, Pilate, hear me, also served the Son of God too. See the late emperor Augustus who ruled from 31 BC to 14 AD was believed to be fathered by the god Apollo and conceived by his mother Atia. Inscriptions referenced to referred to him often as a son of god or the lord or even savior. And after his death the legend had believed that he had ascended up to heaven and that he was found his place among all of the other gods. Augustus' successor would have been Tiberius, and Tiberius was the leader during Jesus' ministry, during Jesus' day, and he also bore divine titles. Until later in the first century, the emperor, uh, emperors would demand to not only be addressed as God, but to be worshipped as gods also. So a contrast between kings. A contrast between kingdoms was on display that day in Rome. And although many of the common people thought that they were siding with Jesus, they did so, hear me, they did so for the same reasons the Pharisees and the others sided with Rome. They thought Jesus could do for them what Rome had done for all of its leaders. They were thinking that Jesus was going to make their life better. They believed that He was going to deliver them from the oppressive system under which they had lived and worked. And where he had, that He would turn over the tables on the Romans. And so that is why I believe the crowd turns on Jesus by the end of the week. They do not think He's going to do any of those things. And in addition, Jesus is going to make their life worse for them not better. That's what they think. They believe their religious leaders, uh, all of them who could never agree ever, are all in agreement now. Something's got to be done with Jesus. It's amazing. They couldn't agree on anything, and yet now is the time. Hey, this guy, he's the problem. He's going to bring Rome down on us. And by the way, he if he was allowed to have lived, most likely he would have. There was, a, there was an uproar. There was an uprising. There was, there was a great following there was a, a murmuring the good kind of of jesus he's he's our messiah he's the he's the healer and so like, there's a problem here john 11 tells us that that many of the jews which came to mary and at seeing the things which jesus did believed on him but some of them went their ways to the pharisees and told them what things jesus had done then gathered the chief priests and the pharisees a council and said what do we for this man doeth many miracles. If we let him thus alone, all men will believe on him. Notice this. And the Romans shall come and take away both our place and nation. And one of them named Caiaphas, being the high priest, the same year said to them, Ye know nothing at all, nor consider that it is expedient for us that one man should die for the people and that the whole nation perish not. And they, as a, a determined council of time, we've got to kill jesus we've got to we've got to make sure that he dies and so when jesus is accused when he's brought before Pilate before an angry mob they want to get rid of him they 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 know that he is the issue so jesus in their minds they they never did what he wanted him to do jesus never defeated the romans he never dissolved the unfair tax system he never put common people in charge of the government and by the way, he never would. To appease the crowds that swelled in the, the city of Jerusalem, Pilate had the custom every single year of releasing a, a prisoner. Often it was a political prisoner. But on this particular year, in the last week of the life of Jesus, Pilate offers the crowd a choice between Barabbas, a known radical criminal, or Jesus. A quote unquote failed Messiah in their eyes. Fearing that if Jesus were released, he would just start it all over again. And so the crowd, the crowd begins to cry, Crucify Him. Crucify Him. Give us us Barabbas. But Pilate, with this totally illegal trial, but even in his trial, he's like, I find no, I find no fault in this man same crowd. Hosanna the son of David. Yeah! The reason why they say crucify him was because crucifixion was the one form of capital punishment that would show Rome the Jews were completely loyal. But I'm obviously getting ahead of the story. I'm going to conclude the story this coming weekend on Friday and on Sunday. But Jesus gave his life a ransom for many. But for a moment, I want you to ask yourself this question. If I had been in Jerusalem that day and had seen both processions passing by, which would I have chosen to follow? Come on, let's let's be honest. Because that's the choice, believe it or not, some 2,000 years later that you and I have to make each day. To choose power and might or love and lowliness. To choose the way, here I'm about to say, the way that things are done in this world or the way in God intends them to be. Every day of your life, you're making this choice, guys. Every single day. Am I going to choose the world and its system and its way of thinking and it's so radically corrupt because it's depraved? Or am I going to choose God's intended plan? God's intended way. Here I'm about to say, just because we pass it as a law that it's okay doesn't mean things are Okay. What are we going to choose this day? Two processions. Two theologies. Two choices. Which one are you going to choose? You're going to choose to believe God, or you choose to believe the devil and his way of thinking? It's a tough question, huh? I'll be honest with you. If I was there, you kind of see what was going on. Yeah. God, you haven't—you haven't made my life easier. Where did we learn that our life would get easier once we got saved? Who told us that? The prosperity gospel did. Much of the junk that's at Christian bookstores does. I'm not against it all. Please go—go go buy some books. I love to read, by the way. What, do what are we going to choose? Well, you know, you didn't you didn't heal this. And please pray for uh, Frank. He's in the back there. His wife's in the, in the hospital with pneumonia. i going to go see her this afternoon. We're going to pray for, she's been there many, 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 many days. We're, we're going to pray for a miracle. God, you didn't do this. God, you didn't do that. God, I, which one we can look at? Because if we live based on what we can see, I guarantee you, you and I would have been saying, crucify him by the end of the week. Because everything that was being seen in Jerusalem of that day was a, again, I use this quote unquote, failed Messiah. But you and I know, woo, Jesus was doing everything that he said he was going to do. And so much more, because he was going to renew the inner man. He was going to release the. Uh, he was going to release you from the bondage of sin, and ultimately, some of these things will take place uh, later on in the millennial reign. Two processions. God, or if you allow me to put it this way, man. Which one are you going to pick today? Man seems very strong today. The opinions of man. Super strong. You don't you're not accepting of that. Or God. Which one? Let's make the choice. Which king did you expect? Let's pray. Every head bowed, every eye closed.